How are you now? How are you right now? Holidays are over, folks. Well, I guess they're not. Tomorrow's New Year's Eve. We got another game tomorrow for the Habs as well, so it's gonna be a quick turnaround on this episode. Uh, but hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast, presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and we are here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens uh, doing a little bit of a Florida trip. So they got the Panthers today. Or tonight, rather, and tomorrow they're going to be playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, not an easy trip for a uh, team that is currently, well, you know, they're not quite. I wouldn't call them bottom feeders in the East, but they're they're closer to the bottom than they are to the top, and uh, not going to be, you know, the easiest back-to-back set that you could possibly have for a team that's closer to the bottom than they are to the top. Uh, now that being said, Tampa Bay been on a bit of a. Mm, We'll call it regression from their Stanley Cup days. Uh, they're certainly not the team that they once were. Definitely not the team that beat the Habs in the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. Uh, so maybe they got a shot tomorrow, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the game against the Panthers that happened uh, just moments before I picked up my microphone and started recording this. So um, we're going to get to all that. But first, the only people that don't get time off this time of year are pro athletes and us at Bet Online. With NFL, bowl season, and NBA in full swing over the holidays, BetOnline isn't taking a second off to make sure that you have all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and info. BetOnline has all the sports wagering info available that you're going to need, with both desktop and mobile access, so head there today to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts your Montreal Canadiens, well, they sure started their game against the Florida Panthers. And as a matter of fact, I would argue that they started it <clears throat> better than I expected. Again, it's not an easy road trip for them. Uh, the Panthers are the second best team in the division. So I felt like this could be a scary one, right? If you had to pick one out of the two in these, this little Florida trip to be the worst, I would think it would be the one against the Panthers. But honestly, it's not a bad start. They're trying a little too hard to make passes in the offensive zone instead of just taking some of the open looks that they're seeing. Stop me if you've heard that before. Um, and it's it, it leads to a pretty low event period, but honestly, the Panthers weren't doing a heck of a lot with their puck time either. Uh, shots were 6-4 to four in favor of the Habs by the end of 20 minutes. Uh, those first 20 minutes kind of flew by. There wasn't a lot of whistles. Um, and both teams were, seemed a little bit tentative. Um, it's almost like the Panthers were scared to take any chances. They were worried about counterattacks coming from the Habs because the Habs, when they actually get into the zone with any kind of structure, they're just throwing the puck back and forth, back and forth, looking for the perfect shot that somehow never comes. And then they pass their way into a shittier shot than they could have had if they just let it go. Uh, it was a bit frustrating. But look, not a bad start uh, against one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference and one of the best teams in the division. We go into the second period. And we get immediate early pressure from the uh, from the Florida Panthers. I almost said Carolina Panthers. This is not football. Um, they get a couple of chances early, and they're looking like they kind of want to take over this game. And then Nick Suzuki gets called for a hold, and, of course, the Panthers take advantage of that. We get a point shot from Evan Rodriguez. Sam Bennett, I think, uh, finds the rebound and makes it one nothing for Florida. It might have been Louis Turainen who actually got a piece of that puck on the way. Um, I'm not too sure who they credited it to. I'd have to go back and take a look at that. Uh, but I, I thought it was Sam Bennett anyway, so that's why I said his name. So either way, it doesn't matter. It's one nothing for the Panthers. But 
Shortly after that, Rodriguez, who took the point shot that led to that goal, takes a penalty of his own, and the Habs have a golden opportunity here to get the game tied up, and they do. Nick Suzuki on the half wall with the puck. He passes down to Cole Caulfield, standing not too far from the crease. Now, he's covered, so he doesn't really have anywhere to go with this. But what he does, even though he's facing away from the net, is just takes the puck to his backhand and roofs it. 1-1. An absolutely disgusting backhander from Cole Caulfield on the power play to get this game tied up. Uh, beautiful play from him, and he needed that one. You saw the way he celebrated afterwards. Uh, the, the the fuck yeah that he let out lasted a good while, so he was pretty stoked to see that puck go in, and I think we all were. Uh, he's been deserving a goal for a while, and you know they've been hard to come by for him this season. They're not, they're not going in as easily as he usually sees them, so um, good for him good for him and good for the Habs they're all tied up maybe undeservedly so because that second period outside of that power play goal did not go super well for them shots ended up by the end of that period 13 to 2 in the Panthers favor so we go from you know 6 to 4 at the end of the first period in the Habs favor to we're at 17 to 8 in favor of the uh, Panthers at the end of 40 minutes so they kind of took their foot off the gas the Habs or I guess alternatively you could say that the Panthers you know they pushed on the gas a little bit and they actually started playing a little bit harder in the second period um again Habs just too tentative with the puck and uh it it was costing them a little bit but they go into the third uh with a tie game which is kind of surprising and uh we go into the third hoping maybe we see a little bit more action from the Habs in the offensive zone Josh Anderson does get an immediate breakaway chance in the third period I'm hoping that's a sign of things to come sort of they they do start getting a little bit more um on the shot clock there but it's not there's not a lot of high quality shots coming out of it they don't even get their 10th shot 10th total shot of the game until five minutes through the third period I was wondering if they were even going to get to 15 uh spoiler alert they did uh but what's definitely not going to help and uh what pissed me off to no end was Yoel Armia in a 1-1 game taking a completely stupid penalty he's trying to jump over I forget who it was trying to jump over him and he just grabs onto his helmet and pulls it off and the ref calls him for it and then guess what happens E2, Lusterinen, uh, just drives to the net, puts a backhand past Jake Allen, makes it 2-1, to one, uh, makes matters even worse. Yoel Armia with a stupid-ass penalty, which obviously this team struggled to kill penalties at times this year. And, uh, yeah, they get burned by one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. And then, uh, under five minutes to go, Oliver ekman Larson gets a point shot. It goes through everyone, including Jake Allen. Don't think that one was touched on the way at all. That makes it 3-1. to one. And that's basically game over at that point. They would pull Jake Allen for an extra skater, but Carter Verhage would get an empty netter to make it 4-1. So the score looked worse than the game actually was. It was mostly, the damage was mostly done in that that third period there after the stupid fucking Armia penalty. And uh, that's your final score, 4-1. So hopefully that was the uglier of the two games in Florida. However, you know, you got a back-to-back. Uh, it's not a long trip for them to go from... Um, you know, where do the Panthers play? Sunrise, Florida. It's not a long trip to go to Tampa Bay. Um, so they shouldn't be, you know, too jet-lagged or anything for tomorrow's game. But um, I also think that, you know, two games and two nights, there's a possibility they're a little bit tired and that they don't play their absolute best. Uh, again, I give no credit. I give no excuses to professional athletes who say, well, I had to play two games and two nights, so that's why I played like shit. No. You should be prepared for that. You should have the cardio for that because you're a professional athlete who makes millions of dollars. So I'm hoping that we see a better effort uh, tomorrow night. So I won't spend too much time on tonight's game. Uh, I won't bore you guys with too many details uh, or bore you guys with too many of my thoughts. But um, the principal thought 
that I cannot get out of my head after just having watched that game is Yoel Armia needs to go back on waivers, back down to Laval, and I do not want to fucking hear his name again for the remainder of the season as an option in Montreal because he's not an option. I'm, I, I don't want to be mean to the guy. I'm sure he's a nice dude. <clears throat> he seems like a nice dude anyways. I've never met him personally, um, and, and I don't want to personally attack him, but his play is, it's just not there. He has over twice as many penalty minutes as he does points. That's only acceptable if you're like an enforcer, if that's your your job is to go out there and, you know, kind of police the game a little bit for the team. If you're uh, Ryan Reeves, that's acceptable. If you're Yoel Armia and you're playing in the bottom six on an NHL team, that's not your role at all. You cannot possibly have more than double the penalty minutes that you have points. It's, it's, It's unacceptable. You're playing in a checking role, basically. Like if he was just going out there and eating clock every night, you know, and it's kind of a wash, like no goals are going in, he's also not scoring, I would have nothing to say about him. I I wouldn't be sitting here right now saying get him off the team altogether. But (laughs) that's not what's happening. He's costing the team with these third-period penalties, and it seems to happen again and again and again, and there's no consequences for it. There needs to be consequences. He should be in the press box tomorrow night. I don't give a fuck if they have to go with 7D and uh, and shorten the forwards a little bit and go with 7D. I, I would rather see that than see another game of Yoel Armia. I know they're not going to call anybody up. Um, certainly not. You know, they just played tonight. They're, they're not even going to get anybody. Uh, Laval played uh, today as well, and they played yesterday. So even if you wanted to call somebody up tomorrow, it's not going to be an option. So that's why I say I'd rather, I'd rather them go with 7D tomorrow night because I do not want to see Yoel Armia anymore. It is becoming incredibly frustrating that he is taking, you know, an opportunity away from a younger player to maybe get a shot at cracking the ra- cracking the roster, cracking the raster, um, <laughs> and we got to see him go out there and do shit like that. Like that's that's brutal. That that's brutal. You can't have that. It's not an option. And uh, you know, I I don't care. I I do not care if people want to get upset. They say I'm blaming Armia for the loss. I'm not blaming him for the loss. I'm blaming him for taking a stupid ass penalty. Right? The Habs had 19 shots on goal. You don't win a lot of games when you don't get to at least 20 shots on goal. Matter of fact, you don't win a lot of games when you get, you know, even between 20 and 30. You need to get shots in order to produce those goals for the most part. Very tough to win when you have 19 shots on goal. So I'm not blaming him for the loss. I am blaming him for taking a stupid ass penalty that put them in a position to lose. Right? Maybe they'll lose that game anyways without the penalty. But the penalty sure as fuck didn't help. So maybe don't do that. Maybe, you know, get him off the roster. Maybe he should have at least sat a shift or a couple of shifts after that. They didn't even sit him. They just let him keep going out there for his regular shifts. I mean, there has to be consequences for this. There has to be consequences for playing that poor uh, and making mistakes that cost your team and for having twice the penalty minutes that you have points, even though you are absolutely not any kind of an enforcer or anybody that we can really excuse that kind of behavior out of. It's, uh, it's brutal. He needs to go back and... Anybody who comes to me and says, because uh, I, I know this is going to come because I've had people say that to me last time that I wrote this, and then he goes down to Laval and he scores, uh, I think, nine points. He, he was at over a point per game. And people went, you see, he's too good for the AHL. I don't give a shit if he's too good for the AHL. <coughs> I agree. He's too good for the AHL. He's an NHL caliber player. He's just one that costs too much. Otherwise, we'd be able to make a trade and we'd be able to send him somewhere else and he could play in the NHL. He's not an option for the Montreal Canadiens. He's 30 years old. Um, he's not going to be part of the rebuild, and he is currently eating up a, a spot in the lineup that could go to somebody else or could potentially be rotating other people 
uh, into that spot in the lineup and giving them opportunities, getting a taste of the NHL action. Um, just brutal, brutal. Please, you know, as soon as this Florida trip is over, I want to see his name on waivers. Uh, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry, anybody who's a big fan of his, but I cannot watch that guy anymore. Um, let's try to move on from that and talk about a few positives uh, before I get uh, to the end of this podcast. Um, your silver lining of the night. Um, who who else could we possibly go with other than Cole Caulfield? Uh, that was a great game from him. Um, scored a beautiful backhand goal. And again, I want to go back to talking about that celly that he had because you saw how long he held the word yeah. I, I feel like that goal was so needed for him. Um, again, I, as I said, he's been deserving one for a little while. They've been hard to come by. I think he really needed that puck to go in. And uh, it brings me back to talking about them making too many passes in the offensive zone, right? There was a point in the first period, right, where they they come into the offensive zone, they're passing the puck around. Nick Suzuki had a really clean look to shoot the puck, and he didn't. And then Mike Matheson had a really clean look in the middle, coming down from the point to shoot the puck, and he didn't. And they work it through all these passes over to Cole Caulfield for a shot. And where's Cole Caulfield standing by the time they actually get the puck to him? On the goal line, they are not. They think that with these these passes, they're setting up a better look than what they have, and they're not. What they're really doing is they're passing themselves around so much that the defense has time to set up on them. And the guy that they're trying to work it to, who is Cole Caulfield, which is not necessarily a bad idea, working it to the guy with the best shot on the team is probably smart. But when you do it in a way that and by the time he gets it, he's basically standing on the goal line. You're, <laughs> I mean, you're not neutering the guy, right? He's still capable of scoring from there. We've seen him do it before. I've seen that guy put pucks over a goaltender's shoulder with his feet on the goal line. It's it's absolutely within the realm of possibility, but you're not putting him in the best position, right? Those are not high danger shots. If if you gain the zone, they, they need to be a little bit quicker to actually pull the trigger on some of these looks. And that might mean less shots for Cole Caulfield, and that's fine if it means more goals for the Montreal Canadiens as a whole. I don't think Cole Caulfield's going to be mad at you if next year he ends up with, you know, 38 goals instead of 39 or or, 30, or 35 instead of 37. I don't think he's going to give a shit if the result is, you know, you're winning more games because you're scoring more goals. Like... Um, some of the sometimes you just got to simplify the game a little bit, and some of these looks that you're getting are really good opportunities for you to just pull the trigger and again simplify the game, take advantage of what's right there in front of you instead of trying to create something better because there's not always going to be something better, especially when you know it takes so long for you to actually develop that passing play that your best shooter is standing on the fucking goal line. I don't know, but. Uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of managing to turn the silver lining into a negative here. Uh, I, I want to bring it back. Uh, let's talk positively. Cole Caulfield had a great game, scored a great goal, and hopefully this is a sign of the floodgates opening up for him a little bit. Um, I, I think it, sometimes it just takes one, right? And I, I thought you know, that, that one came a little bit earlier in the season, uh, and it didn't. And maybe that's the one, you know, because that was not <coughs> an easy goal for anybody to score. That's not a goal that just anybody can go out there and you know put it to the backhand like that and flip it up into the top shelf. Like I, I, I don't know that that could be a turning point for him uh, from a scoring standpoint. And we'll see. Um, maybe he goes out and has a really good night tomorrow night. Um, outside of Cole Caulfield, 
Uh, there wasn't a lot of performances that I really loved in that game. It was a rough one. Again, they, they didn't even get to 20 shots on goal, but uh, I'm going to try for you. I liked Jaden Struble in that game again, uh, yet again. He's been fantastic. Uh, I liked Justin Barron, actually, in that game. I know I've been rough on him lately, uh, but he made a couple of really good plays on defense. There was one point where uh, Louis Sarinen had uh, a partial break coming in. Right, It was a busted play at the uh, defensive blue line for the Habs. And I think it was Lusteran in anyways. Either way, it doesn't matter who it was. He was cutting in basically all alone. And Justin Barron was the last man back. And he kind of wraps him up and just plays absolutely like tiptoeing along the line of a penalty. And he did the absolute most that he could. Uh, and he turned a really high danger scoring chance into essentially nothing with the way that he was able to play defense there. So I hope that that's a sign of things to come. I hope he feeds me my words. Uh, that I had for him uh, when I wrote uh, after the last game and what I said on the podcast. I really hope he does. Uh, I hope he feeds me. Nothing would make me happier than to be brutally wrong about Justin Barron and he turns it around like that. Um, so more of that from him, I hope. Um, David Savard, I thought, had a really good game as well. He made some really good defensive plays. Uh, got back one time. Mike Matheson booted the puck. Uh, he Bill Buckner did himself at the offensive blue line. Goes the other way for a partial breakaway, and David Savard manages to get back and makes a really good play on the puck uh, to end the threat. So there were things to like in that game. Um, but there were also some things to hate. Uh, I think they could probably learn a little bit from that, and I hope they do, and I hope that they go into tomorrow night's game in Tampa and uh, they can apply some of those lessons. And <clears throat> one last time before I end this podcast, I want to mention um, I... <laughs> Hope that they do it without Yoel Armia. I really don't want to see this guy in the roster anymore. I'm tired of it. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to end the podcast there because I'm already starting to, to choke uh, and cough a lot. So uh, I think it's maybe time for me to go to bed. And anyways, we're going to have a quick turnaround. So anybody who listens to this podcast, you're going to be hearing my voice again real soon anyways. Because tomorrow night in Tampa, I will have another episode after that. So what are we running? A little over 18 minutes. So, c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine.